It's in the huddle, guys. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you. Jason Lock on four, part of this podcast as well, as we're talking all things NFL. Makai Becton took to Twitter and basically was screaming that he is a left tackle. I am a left tackle. I want you to tell me about Makai Becton, and I want you to tell me about this Jets offensive line. I know you spent some time up there recently. What, what is he What is he bitching about? What's going on here? Well, you know, the Jets drafted Carter Warren, an offensive tackle from Pittsburgh, in the fourth round uh, because in the first round, the Pittsburgh Steelers jumped from 17 to 14, traded with the New England Patriots right in front of the Jets that were picking number 15 to take Broderick Jones, a guy that the Jets coveted. I'm not going to say, like, I don't know if they if, if he was there, if it was 100%, they were going to draft Broderick Jones. But it sure felt like that was going to be the pick by Joe Douglas. So Steelers jump them, don't have that first-round tackle. They have a bunch of guys. They have Dwayne Brown, who's 38 years old, played well last year, but had a bad shoulder, missed some time. They drafted Max Mitchell. Fourth-round pick last year, started some games, he got hurt. Mekhi Becton has played one game in two years, okay? Oh. Had a, he's had a troublesome knee. He's been overweight. Um, he looks, albeit just Instagram pictures, he looks like he's in great shape right now. Okay. His, his rookie year, um, like he was as good as there was. He came out of the same draft as Andrew Thomas from the Giants, you know, Jedrick Wills from Cleveland. Came out the same year as these guys. And the Jets felt like they got the best of the four tackles that got drafted at the top of the draft that year. And his rookie year, he was outstanding. He, he was really powerful and really good. And he was a left tackle. And, I, you know, I'd see him in the summers uh, down in Dallas at Duke Manningweather's uh, training camp down there. And Duke was training him. And we, be, we, we, we built a friendship up. And then he just has to stay healthy. And so, you know, Robert Sala has basically come out and said, we're going to play the best five guys. We're going to find the best five offensive linemen we can in whatever positions they're in, and we're going to put them there. So Oliver Tucker's coming back from an injury. Lakin Tomlinson's there. They drafted Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin. He'll compete with other guys. Uh, Wes Schweitzer, guys they signed from Washington. But, like, the tackle situation is if Dwayne Brown is healthy and Mekhi Becton are both healthy, like, Mackay could be the right tackle. Dwayne Brown could be the left tackle. Maybe vice versa. But Dwayne Brown has spent 16, 17 years in his league playing left tackle. Seems like he should get to seniority. Right. Uh, it's the only position he has ever played. So I just think, you know, Mackay is like, oh, I'm a left tackle. Well, Mackay, you haven't done enough in this business to say where you're at. This is a team sport. We got You got a 39-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback that you're trying to protect. Let's get the best five guys up there. That's really what – and Robert Sala shot it right back. We're playing the best five. So Sala said the right thing. Um, not that any of this needs to be done on social media. Sure. But Because it, it doesn't. But if, if the player comes out on social media and says, I'm just this, I have no problem with the coach coming out and kind of shutting it down. Yeah, I, and, and it's rare. I mean, you don't see guys doing this. Belichick will never do it, right? He's not a social media guy. <laughs> but the younger coaches in the league are certainly paying attention to what their players are doing on social media. And I didn't have a problem with it either. I mean, basically, he's sending a message to Jets fans to say, hey, I don't care what he says. You guys watch and see how this plays out because we're going to play the best guys. And that's what Jets fans, Jets fans want to hear. So I totally agree. I mean, Makai, I get it. But two games or one game in two years? Come on, bro. One game in two years. Come on, bro. Yeah. It, it's Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger. Um, I want to just go around the league with a couple of things uh, before we get out of here. 
couple of quotes, a couple of things that have been said. Get your, your opinions on this, Baldy. First of all, Ravens first-round pick, wide receiver Zay Flowers, believes he can do it all in this Baltimore offense. Now, I heard Lamar say after he signed that he just got his iPad, and he said he was talking to some of the guys with the Ravens, and they, the, the, the phrase he used was the offense is looking real smooth, right? Okay. So he's using that to say, hey, whatever Todd Munkin is presenting to these guys, guys are digging, and they like the way the offense is going to potentially look. Zay Flowers saying, I can do everything in Baltimore. I can do it all. Can he do it all? Well, I have my doubts, and I won't take any player and tell me he can't do something. I, I, it's just not my philosophy. But he's five foot nine, and it's tough to be, you know, Antonio Brown, Steve Smith are two guys, five nine, five ten, that did it at the highest level. It can be done. And I don't know if Zay is the next line of the two players I just mentioned. But the two players I just mentioned are Hall of Fame caliber players. Right. So I don't want to put a 21-year-old receiver in that category just yet. I also don't want to just say because Todd Munkin is now the – this is the, the first offense that Lamar Jackson is playing in that wasn't the offense that he was drafted in 2018. So this is going to be new for everybody. Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson. But Lamar has to – a, he has, to, he has to become a better passer, yeah. flat out. And then, B, he's got to get comfortable with how it works. Like You can go through these OTAs, and you can walk through this stuff, and you can look at it on your iPad and go, it's smooth. You have to go execute it. Like, we know when Joe Burrow steps on the field, there's going to be a pretty high level of execution. Like, we're pretty sure of that, okay, because we have seen it at the highest level over the last three years. Like, it, it remains to be seen. And I'm not saying Lamar can't do it. And I'm not saying Todd Munkin can't create the offense that can allow Lamar to become a better passer and for Zay Flowers to flourish. But I know this. I know that Lamar has had a real safety zone, security blanket with Mark Andrews to a detriment, like forcing it to Mark. And Mark's a great player, Pro Bowl player. Uh, who wouldn't want a six foot six tight end that can run like Mark Andrews? Like, but you got to be able to throw the ball in the red zone, in the end zone, on third downs to more than one guy. You got to lean on more than one guy. Now, maybe Zay Flowers can be that guy. Maybe OBJ and Mark Andrews and Devin Duvernay can be a combination. I I have to see it work, Carl. Like, I, I'm not just gonna just okay. Lamar says this, and Todd Munkin has done this, and Zay Flowers. I'm not just taking these guys at the word for it. I got to see the execution because I, I know what the standard is right now in the AFC North. Mm. It's Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and to T Higgins and to Tyler Boyd. And man, some days it looks unstoppable. I got to see it. It's fair. Uh, and, you know, listen, as we get closer to the season, part of the conversation Baldy will have fair or unfair is does Lamar continue to get better now that he got his deal? Does he stay the same? Or does he get better? And if he stays the same, there will be a lot of criticism about, well, they shouldn't have never paid him, blah, blah, blah. He's got to continue to elevate his game. And I think he also said he wanted to throw for 6,000 yards, which made me laugh. But, you know, because he, he's got to throw for 4,000 before you throw for 6,000. So, you know, his best year was when he won the MVP. And, he, you know, he didn't even throw for 4,500. So, to your point, that's got to improve. Well, 
everybody that takes a big check in this business, everybody talks about the money until they stop talking about the money. And the only, <laughs> the only time they ever stop talking about the money is when you win at the highest level. Nobody ever talks about Patrick Mahomes' contract, ever. Nope. Nope. I mean, they, they mention it and they put it up there when Aaron Rodgers signs or Lamar Jackson signs and where's Mahomes next to these guys. I'll never forget, I played with the great Reggie White in Philadelphia. And, you know, he went to Green Bay in free agency to be with Ray Rhodes. And his check then in 1993 was $17 million. And everybody talked about the money until Reggie helped them bring home the championship. And nobody ever talked about the money after that. So they will always talk about the money to see if you're worth it until they stop talking about it. And only one thing makes you stop talking about the money. Brett, uh, Brett Veach is the general manager for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he sees Kadarius Toney, which is weird to me, as the number one wideout with the Chiefs. And he said, I don't know if there's a limit to his game. Now, Baldy, take me back. Wasn't Kadarius Toney doing nothing? before he was picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs last year. And now all of a sudden, I'm supposed to believe that he's the number one wideout on that team and his he has unlimited capabilities? Am I missing something? Uh, well, you know, they, they drafted Rishi, or, you know, Rice at SMU, and they've got other guys there. Sky Moore drafted last year, the third round or something. But um, Cordero's Tony looks like a specialty player to me. You run fly sweeps with him. He can return for you. Like, he looks like a, he's got tremendous quickness. But if you're telling me, like, he's just going to go run routes like Jamar Chase is running routes, and he's going to be a number one wide receiver, I have doubts. Now, you got Mahomes throwing you the ball. That helps. But he's never been in that role, okay? Even at Florida, he wasn't in that role. He was a slot receiver at Florida coming out. And I like Cardarius coming out. You watch him against Alabama. Like, this is three years removed now from his days being a Gator. So he, he's got a, you know, he's got a lot to show to, to support those words that Brett Veach is, is saying right now. Um, there's a lot that goes in to being a number one wide receiver. There's a lot. There, you're you're going to get the best corner and man. You're going to get bracket coverage uh, on third downs. They're going to try to take you away in the red zone. I mean, there's just things that legitimate – Devontae Adams, those guys at the top of the food chain in the, in the NFL. There's certain things you have to be able to do. And I, I'm not convinced Cardarius knows how to do those things yet. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it's an interesting soundbite, uh, or at least quote, from the Chiefs GM. Meanwhile, C.D. Lamb and the Cowboys, as we just kind of go around the league, guys, uh, rookie mini camps are starting. Um, so we're, we'll be talking about that as we get into next week. I think Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers start on Friday. But C.D. Lamb came out and said, you can't put a ceiling on the Cowboys offense. And I'm thinking, Baldy, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I got to see a healthy Pollard. And I need to see the improvement as we're talking about everything else with Lamar. I got to see the improvement with Dak. You can't throw 15 picks and come back this season and not expect me to doubt just a little bit, even though Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. And that's after Dak missed four full games. You know, still led the league. I mean, that's, that, that might not have been done. You know, you missed that many games and still – throw that many picks in, in picks in key games, you know? And so uh, we got to see how Brandon Cooks fits in. We got to see how they replace Dalton Schultz, who was, you know, the second leading receiver a year ago. Yep. Yep. Um, the running back room, um, you know, Deuce Vaughn is at 800 touches at Kansas state. 
Now, maybe he's Darren Sproles. I have my doubts whether he is. It's a great story. His father obviously works for the Cowboys. Yeah. But, you know, to me, they're going to miss Zeke. Like, I know Zeke isn't in 2022 what he was in 2016. I know that. But I also know the guy loves the game. Yeah. He's dependable as hell. He rarely ever gets hurt. And if he is, he plays hurt. I know he's a personal protector for your quarterback. He's a safety valve in the run, in the in the passing game. Like, he's a great football player. Now, Jerry's come out and said, you know, we still love Zeke. I have a feeling that depending on Tony Pollard's situation, um, that he might find his way back to that. I think they're a better team with Zeke. Like, there's a role for Deuce Vaughn at that size, but I can't believe it's a very big role. Um, so we'll find out. Running through Big 12 running lanes and NFL running lanes is completely different. <laughs> it's a completely different sport. So I – and Dak has to get better. So maybe Mike McCarthy will, as a play caller, more hands-on in some ways with the offense. Maybe it's going to make a difference. But they pay Zeke, they pay Dak to be an elite player. Well, you know, when you get to big games in postseason, he's got to play better than what he has played. You're down in Tampa. I don't know if my man Mike Evans will be there, but if you see him, tell him I said what's up. He's a great dude. He's a great, great dude. Uh, he played for my guy Kevin Sumlin at A&M and yep. uh, got a chance to know Mike a little bit. But uh, what what are you doing down there? What are you, What's going on with Baldy down in Tampa Bay? So my friend owns this, uh, runs this business. It's a, it's a scanning industry where they, they pre-scan you okay. for cancer, any anything inside underneath the chassis, which could be problematic. And they, you consult with the doctor after they scan you. So I brought my girlfriend over. She wanted to get scanned. And then um, like Martin Gramatica, the kicker yeah. uh, from the Bucks, who does the Spanish broadcast for the Bucks. He works for my, my, my partner. He's expanding into Scottsdale in, in the next months. So they just asked me to come over and do it like a PSA, you know, Very for nice. their service. So I'm just over here, you know, helping them out here today. Very nice. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Baldy, Friday we're coming back, okay? And that's with the anticipation, guys, of the schedule release Thursday, right? If it is, in fact, pushed back, as we started this podcast talking about the potential of it maybe, maybe being released Sunday, there are some rumors out there. Um, we'll come back Friday still to talk about potentially what we're going to get on Sunday. And then obviously we'll be back early next week to talk about what the schedule looks like. Usually the first games that do get released, even before the official release, is the the games outside of America, the America's games. So, you know, whether it's, you know, in Germany this year or, you know, London. whether it's in London or Mexico City, you know, usually those games kind of get released to start building up. Uh, you know, the, the, the ticket sales and things like that. So we may, even if it's not official, we may get the release of some of those games. Looking forward to it, guys. We'll be back on Friday, uh, and hopefully they do release it Thursday night because I'm I'm like a kid right now. I'm waiting to open up these presents and, and see. But we'll see where it falls. Baldy, be safe down there, man. We'll yep. talk to you later in the week. Everybody Thanks, else, girl. take care. Yep.